Langley Event Center. Your move. Ryan Dimitri. Left wing behind the net. A hold on Hardy at the side. Dimitri scores! Are you kidding? Unbelievable! The captain strikes again! Trying to go wide. He's going to step on Schmeeb and Byron to win it. Scores! Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Giant Thoughts, the podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Hocko. Today, we have an exciting episode. It's also a podcast-changing episode, as um, as a lot of you may have seen already. We've or I've brought on uh, Ben Dooley as a co-host. You may be familiar with that name, as he was actually the first guest of this show. And you may have seen him on WHL Twitter through Dub Network and now this podcast. So um, I'm excited to bring Ben on and have a chance to kind of rekindle an old an old partnership from, from years past, right, Ben? Yeah, um, we did this podcast thing, geez, uh, almost 10 years ago now, back in uh, back when we were both uh, high school kids. We, we had the old Ben and Steven Talk Hockey uh, podcast, which uh, I will always claim was the number two junior <laughs> hockey podcast behind the Pipeline show. And yes, I know... That at the time we we were the only other junior hockey podcast, but it doesn't matter. We can always say that we were number two behind the pipeline show. Yeah, nobody needs to know how many there were. Just just we were the second best podcast out of out of all of junior hockey. So that's all that matters. Um, kind of b- back when podcasting wasn't quite as popular as it is now. So obviously there's I'm not sure exactly how many, but I'm sure there's probably close to a hundred, if not more, uh, podcasts for junior hockey throughout North America. So obviously that market's grown. So it's a bit more, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a bit more of a battle for us to get up to number two, but I'm sure we can manage. Yeah. I think we've got uh, a lot of uh, fun things planned for this uh, new venture. And, uh, you know, we're both uh, pretty connected within the hockey world now than we were when we were just like a couple of punk teenagers. So uh, it, I mean, our, our last venture was successful we got guys like Theo Fleury and the ever controversial Jeremy Leonick uh, and Trevor Linden was a guest on the pod at one point so I mean if we could do that as as teenagers imagine what we can do now that we actually kind of know what we're doing yeah or at least try to act like we know we're doing a bit better (laughs) um but yeah we we also had guys on like Rob Shrimp who was just on the, probably the biggest hockey podcast going right now, Spin Chicklets. So, not to brag, but we had them first by by quite a large margin. But that's that's whatever, not a big deal, I guess. Um, but yeah, before I get too far into what we're going to talk about, I kind of want to uh, I kind of want to give everybody a bit of an idea what it's going to be like having two hosts now instead of one. Um, obviously, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a, a lot more fluid conversation. Uh, I found it was. It was a bit difficult trying to trying to carry myself, trying to talk to myself basically without anybody talking back. Um, so I think it'll make for some good debates, um, some good discussions. Um, yeah, but I know you have you have a good hockey mind. We've both we've both been in the hockey media for for a little bit now. Um, you've you've gone through media as your career. 
Uh, just talk about that for a bit. Yeah, uh, so as, as some of you might know, I'm currently a producer uh, over at CKNW. It's a news talk uh, station here in, here locally in Vancouver. Uh, so I produce uh, one of the midday shows uh, from noon to three uh, every day, Monday to Friday. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, we both were involved in uh, Dub Network uh, for a little over a year. Um, I, I decided uh, back in May that, to kind of step away from things just with uh, how the, the COVID situation was unfolding. I didn't really feel like it was appropriate for me to be doing doing sports on the side. But now in BC, we, we, we're kind of at the point where we've got things under control a bit. So I think it's a, a good time for me uh, to get back into the into the hockey world because that, that is my uh, my one true love. Yeah, and you're also a, a BCIT sports journalism alum. Yeah, I uh, I spent two years at uh, BCIT in their uh, broadcast and online journalism program. Uh, as many of you uh, may know, Brian Weeb uh, is a he's a well-known man in junior hockey circles. Is actually a professor uh, over at BCIT. I was never actually taught by him, but uh, you know we we ran into each other uh, now and then in the halls and. And certainly was able to glean uh, some of some of his knowledge, and I know that you had uh, the experience of actually being taught by one of uh, junior hockey's best. Yeah, I didn't I didn't do the full time program, but I did a a part time course, just kind of a night a night school kind of thing for sports journalism at BCIT. Um, yeah, Brian was my instructor. I learned a lot from him. It was kind of cool because I've been following him for the better part of a decade now, and I. I guess first got Twitter and and saw that he was one of the top junior hockey guys, specifically the BCHL, which at the time was one of my my biggest focuses because growing up I had season tickets. My family had season tickets to the Surrey Eagles in the early to mid 2000s, so that was a league I kind of was very familiar with, and he was and he still is the the kind of go-to guy. So it was it was kind of surreal to, to be able to get taught by him and just learn from from him himself firsthand. Um, but yeah, just kind of going into what we're going to be talking about throughout this first episode here. Uh, we ha- we have Bowen Byram. He's in Colorado right now. Um, he's currently working with them on their extended training camp roster. Uh, he made the big drive from, I believe he's in Tawasin. He was in Tawasin with his billets all the way to Denver, as as was said in the athletic article by Ryan Clark. Um. We kind of touched on this in our own personal conversations. We, we're not sure if he's really going to be seeing any game time, but it's not completely out of the question with the climate of everything going on. Yeah, I think um, Byram has an, has an excellent uh, uh, opportunity here to even even just be around guys like Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr, and even you know an ex-Vancouver Giant in uh, Kevin Connaughton will be... A huge experience for him that even if he doesn't get into any games, that uh, it's it's certainly worth him making that uh, that huge trek uh, over to over to Colorado just to be around those guys for for a month or two months. Is the the experience that you get from that is just invaluable, and I think that uh, Byron will come out of this as a better hockey player, um, even if he doesn't uh, doesn't see game game action, which is. Uh, certainly a possibility, I think. Yeah, when we touched on this a bit when we were talking last night 
all it takes is a couple injuries, maybe one of these defensemen being quote unquote unfit to participate as the NHL has been wording it. Um, and right, just like that, he can shoot up from ninth or 10th on the depth chart up, up to maybe a seventh defenseman. Yeah. And I think once he gets in the lineup, you know, he's, he's shown even at, at practice, I've been uh, following as uh, some of the guys in Colorado that, uh, you know, he doesn't look that out of place. Um, among uh, some of the the defensemen that the the Avs have, you know, he he doesn't look like a guy who is who is a junior hockey player playing with NHLers. He looks like an NHLer playing with NHLers. So he's he's definitely not going to be out of place if he should get into the lineup. And if he does get into the lineup, I would not be surprised to see him have the impact that you know Kale McCarr had last year. And he would be a, a solid addition to an Avalanche blue line that is already uh, one of the scarier blue lines in the NHL. Yeah, and it seems it seems every level of hockey he he kind of escalates to it's it's a seamless transition. I remember watching him as a 15 year old call up a few seasons ago, and he was already well. They weren't the best of team at that point, but he was already one of the team's best defensemen as a 15 year old. I think he got into 10 games that year. And then moving on from like the the U17s, U18s up to the World Juniors, it just seems like every every time the level keeps getting higher, he just seamlessly transitions. And it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the same thing in the NHL. Yeah, and you know what? He he came back uh, this year after Colorado's camp, and he and he kind of struggled a bit as as the team as a whole did uh, mm-hmm. really until about the World Juniors. But once he came back from the World Juniors, he was a a whole different hockey player. I felt. And he was back to the Bowen Bryan that uh, of last year that got him selected by Colorado. And I think you know he's g- gonna really ride that momentum uh, that he built in the second half uh, to to a pretty successful showing. Uh, even even just practicing, you know, a, a successful showing in in practice could uh, you know put him up the depth chart for next season. And maybe you know if he impresses at, at training camp but doesn't get into to any games, maybe uh, he doesn't come back to the WHL next year. Maybe he he sticks with Colorado next year. Yeah, you and you touched on that slow start in the first half, and I believe if if he has if he played that whole season like he did in the second half, he would have ran away with the Western Conference Defenseman of the Year, I think, because I don't like yeah when he returned back in January from that World Junior break, he was. A man on a mission. He's back, back to being the Bowen Byron that got him drafted fourth overall. And and another thing you touched on was how he, he could definitely not even be in the WHL next year. Uh, I think it's no secret that he's probably too good for the WHL. It's just a matter if Colorado is kind of waiting for him, or if they have a spot waiting for him is kind of kind of the only thing stopping him. I think because obviously, like you mentioned with Makar, they have no shortage of young defensemen in Colorado. So. It's it's kind of I don't know if he's quite NHL ready, but he's definitely too good for the WHL. Yeah, he's uh, he's gonna be in an awkward spot next year because you know with the CHL NHL agreement, nineteen year olds can't play in the AHL, so he it's either the NHL or bust uh, really mm-hmm. for him. And Byram is the kind of guy that you know he will bust his ass to try and make that NHL squad next year he and if he doesn't he'll come back to the WHL he'll be pissed off that he didn't make the abs and and hopefully uh that 
fires him up and and just motivates him uh, to have a very successful uh, year with with the Giants because I think the Giants are are set up to do damage again in the WHL and and had things not shut down this year they would have would have done damage again this year too I think. Yeah, the the team was on a complete roll in the second half. They had that 11 game win streak, um, tying a franchise record. So. And they're going to be bringing a lot of those guys back. They're going to be losing, obviously, I think four of this past year's 19-year-olds due to the, the three overage limit. But um, like you said, I think if if Byron plays a full season and, well, obviously minus the World Junior break he'll be having, he's an 80-point defenseman, I think. He had 70 in his draft year playing a full season. I think he only missed one game that year. Um, so he's an 80 80, 85 point defenseman next year in the WHL if he's back. Yeah, and that would uh, you know break uh, Kevin Connaughton's uh, record for the the most points in a in a WHL season uh, by a Giants defenseman. I think uh, a couple seasons ago he he just got a couple points shy, and, and uh, you know he he would be he he would put the Giants over the top. I think uh, for a long playoff run because you know they've already got. Alex Kanek Leopard is coming back. Eric Florchuk is coming back. Those are two guys that, that probably could have turned turned pro in, in the AHL, but now look like they're they're coming back to the Giants for another season. So to have that veteran leadership and to get Bo and Byler back, that's just that's just scary, Steven. Exactly. And and not to mention their leading scorer from this past year, Tristan Nielsen, he'll be coming back as a twenty year old too. So um yeah, it's it's another it's another team that you kind of, for a while, you kind of expected the Giants to be atop the division um, throughout the the mid to late 2000s, early 2010s. They were just one of the most dominant franchises in the league, and you can kind of see that they're, they're they've worked their way back up to that. I think after those handful of dark years that ended up getting them players like Tyler Benson and Bowen Byram and Justin Sordiff. So you can kind of see all that coming to fruition now. Um, with obviously the 2018-19 season, they they finished atop the the Western Conference, went all the way to WHL final, which that's the start of that season nobody expected, but now it's now it's almost an expectation to, to get at least two or three rounds into the playoffs for them. Yeah, I I would I would agree with you there, and I think you know they've got a, a great coach in in Michael Dick. Barclay Parnetta is shown he's not afraid to you know tinker with the lineup. Uh, if if he needs to, they, they made a, a pretty significant trade this year, uh, bringing in uh, Trevor Longo and Tyler uh, Pazuzzo from Medicine Hat. Uh, so I think that, uh, y- you know, the Giants are, are set up for success uh, this year if we do see WHL hockey, which is, you know, still the big the big question mark. Yeah, and, uh, that's a huge question mark because it's already been – said that they want an October 2nd start date, which I think we've talked about as a pipe dream. Um, we've seen as recently as the day before this recording, um, the BCHL announced their plan for a December 1st return, which is a lot more realistic, I think, for for hockey to be returning. Um, as Ron Robinson, Rob Robinson, oh my God, Ron Robinson mentioned, um, the commissioner of the WHL, he said that the league needs at least 50% fan capacity to operate. And getting, in some buildings, that's two, three, four thousand 4,000 fans. So getting that big of a group in the next few months seems almost impossible. Yeah, I think uh, Junior A is, is set up uh, 
to succeed more than the WHL is because they're only dealing with, you know, one jurisdiction, whereas the WHL has to worry about what's happening here in BC, what's happening in Alberta, what's happening in, happening in Saskatchewan, what's happening in Manitoba, and, of course, what's happening in the United States. And the, the story is just so different in BC to what it is to Manitoba, to what it is in the States. That it's just, it's so unpredictable uh, what the next uh, couple of months uh, hold that, uh, you know, it doesn't look promising. Certainly not for an October uh, second start. And and I, I think December is probably still even a stretch. Yeah, and, and having those American teams just kind of makes it even more complicated because you have to figure out how you're going to make them run. Are you going to have them playing their games up, up north of the border? Are you going to, or are they just going to maybe separate from the league for a year and play with maybe the USHL teams? It's, there's so many questions that aren't even close to being answered yet. So yeah, to think that you're going to have hockey in three months, it's, it's very unrealistic. And like you said, even regions like Manitoba and Saskatchewan that have very low numbers, you can't really just have some leagues play and some not. It's, because at the end of the season, you still need a national championship if you're choosing to play. And if you're only having like three or four of the, I want to say there's like 10 junior A leagues in Canada, it's just not going to work. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be a year that, you know, we, we see the, the MJHL play, the SJHL play, and then we just don't have a national championship this year if, if you know, we're not playing hockey across the country. Because I, I do think that, uh, you know, there are regions throughout Canada that are, are set up where we can start talking about, uh, you know, having having sports come back. I think, uh, you know, Manitoba, is they've had something like 300 cases in total. So I think Manitoba is, is set up to, you know, really do things well. But th- th- it's, just, it's just so different. Every province is so different it's it's a national story but it it's different from province to province and i think that uh, that just makes things too challenging for the whl to operate and even saskatchewan i believe has had a bit of a spike as of late i think for a little while they had no cases or or single digit cases but i believe i saw they had a bit of a a mini outbreak i don't know if you heard about that yeah i mean that, that's the thing too like here in bc We've had, you know, 35 cases connected to Canada Day celebrations up in Kelowna. And mm. so if that's happening, you think medical health officers are going to, you know, say, yes, let's bring thousands <laughs> of people into a small confined space. I don't think so. I mean, I do think that there are creative uh, things being worked on uh, throughout the league. I, I was listening to... Uh, a podcast on that the Wheat Kings do, and they had their director of game day operations on, and he was talking about, you know, how they are going to try to separate fans so that you're not just having fans sitting in every second seat, mm-hmm. but you're having fans sit in every second row so that they're right. socially distanced. And is that something that could work? I, I honestly... I don't know if that's something they would consider here in BC. I, I think it's something that they would definitely consider in Manitoba. Mm-hmm. But I, I'll be super interested to see if that's something that can work in BC. Well, depending on the team, 
some teams only get that kind of attendance anyways, if not a little bit more. So, um, like, for, like, the bigger markets in the BCHL, or I shouldn't say the bigger ones, but the, the lower mainland markets in the BCHL, obviously they don't they don't pull the same amount of fans as teams like Penticton or Trail or Salmon Arm because it's just so saturated down here with the Giants, with the Canucks. Um, there's just a bunch, of, there's a bunch of variables down the lower mainland that kind of makes junior A hockey forgotten about. So... Like we mentioned, I don't know if I don't know if the BCHL or any of the junior A teams has made has mandated they need a certain amount of fan capacity. But like we mentioned before, I don't know if that will work in the WHL having like fans in every second row. I don't know if that will fill a a fifty percent capacity. Um, but yeah, it's 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 going to be very interesting to see this play out. For all we know, this could be all completely out of date tomorrow that we're talking about. For all we know, they could announce. They're changing their start to play December 1st in the WHL. So it's it's literally a day-by-day basis all this is going on. Yeah, and, you know, uh, a lot of this is pretty depressing to talk about. But there there is a bright spot here in that, uh, you know, there's, there's something like 20 vaccines that are currently in human trials. And it, all it takes is just one of those vaccines to be proven effective against the virus and to be proven safe. For humans, uh, th- th- this is all over. So, mm-hmm. so there is a light at the end of the tunnel here. It's just a matter of when do we get to the end of the tunnel. Exactly, and that's could be months, could be years. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I think I think we've we've kind of beat that horse enough with with the COVID talk. We got like you said, it got a little depressing here. <laughs> um, so let's kind of reel it back to to maybe the Giants talk where. Um, obviously there's not a whole lot happening during this off season because like we mentioned, there's a lot of, a lot of question marks, but something that is, um, affirmative and has happened. It was the CHL import draft. Um, the giants took two players, uh, 30th overall and 90th overall, seeing as they have Milos Roman aging out this year. And Michael Vasnica is going to be a 20 year old next year. And I don't, obviously based on the two picks, they don't plan on having him as an overage player. So um, yeah, with their first pick, they went they went to Sweden, which is not a very common place for the Giants or the WHL as a whole. Usually you see Swedish players staying more east, I would say mainly in the OHL and somewhat in the Q. Uh, but they took Fabian Lysel, I believe is how you pronounce it. I'm probably butchering that, but they took him 30th overall. Um, the Giants have only had one player of, from Sweden in their whole organization play for them in their history, and he only played like seven games, I think. Um, so it's it's a very interesting pick. I wonder if there's some kind of agreement behind behind this pick because a lot of this import draft is kind of based on the relationships with the the players' agents and the teams. So it kind of makes you wonder if if they're kind of taking a flyer on a Swedish player this early that they're kind of confident that he'll be coming here. Yeah, I I was really intrigued by this pick because you know uh, in the import draft teams kind of have a a tendency to stick to a country that they have had success in drafting. You know, the Giants have had immense success drafting from Slovakia with guys like uh, Roman and Mary Tverden and uh, Michael Grapik in years past. Uh, So going back to Slovakia makes sense, and that's what they did with their second pick. But here, to go to Sweden where they, it's kind of unproven ground for them, in not only for the Giants but the WHL as a whole, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, 
teams don't really have success drafting out of Sweden. They they usually stick to the Eastern leagues. But I think Lysel is a kind of player that is is worth the risk here. You know, just looking at his his stats from Sweden last year, you know, he had 13 goals and 21 assists, and he only played 14 games. I mean, yeah. kiss me That's... again, <laughs> because that that sounds like um, a, a nice offensive uh, scorer that uh, that would look uh, look pretty nice in a in a Giants uniform, I think. Yeah, you can never have too many goal scorers, right? And that's that's his main strength from what it looks like. Um, according to some kind of scouting reports I've seen, he's very highly skilled. He has an amazing shot release. Um, and obviously he scores lots of goals. It seems like every season in Sweden he's scoring 20-plus goals. And that's not in a lot of games either. Like like you said, in 34, 34 points in 14 games with the, the Junior 18 Elite team this year. But the year before that, he had 22 goals in 14 games in, with the, the U16 team. So... He brings a scoring touch, which the Giants will gladly take if if he chooses to come over. Um, and then they kind of went two opposite ways with their picks. With obviously with Lysel, he he's a he's a scorer, offensive. And then with their second pick, they went like you mentioned to Slovakia with Marco Staka, where he's a defenseman with some good size. Yeah, I mean he he stands at at six foot uh, and weighs 192 pounds. He's like He's a big boy, and, uh, you know, I think he, he fits right in on the Giants' uh, blue line uh, alongside guys like Byram and Kenneth Leapert. I don't, I don't know if he'll come over this year because uh, it does look like that he, he's got a commitment uh, with his uh, club team over in Slovakia. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if the Giants can, can lure him. I know that uh, he's eligible for the draft this year, and... Uh, I think if he gets drafted, that certainly helps the Giants' chances to to bring him over. But that's a a big question mark because I believe he's he's ranked somewhere in the lower uh, 100s uh, by NHL Central Scouting. So it's it'll be interesting to see if uh, if he gets drafted and if he doesn't, maybe he uh, gets a rookie camp invite and 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 impresses and uh, and maybe uh, you know that helps the Giants' uh, chances of bringing him over because uh, you know six foot. 192 defenseman is is a pretty big guy for WHL standards. Yeah, he's ranked. He was ranked 105 by NHL Central Scouting for European skaters. Um, but yeah, six foot, 192 pounds, and he's only. I think he's he's only going to get bigger and stronger, right? He's only 18 years old. Um, so these kids don't really stop growing at 18. He's going to put on some muscle. Um, he's already got World Junior experience. He played in three games with Slovakia last year alongside. Um, his countrymen. So it's, I think if, if we're talking a season that isn't kind of up in the air with the COVID stuff, I think it's, it's probably a good, a good chance he's coming over because as we mentioned, the Giants have been very successful with bringing Slovakian players over. It's, it's their most successful country out of the import draft for them. Um, And I kind of wonder how much they kind of have Milos Roman talking to him right now, maybe kind of, Talking up the organization a bit, maybe. Um, obviously, Roman had a very successful career with the Giants, he's, and he was a very nice kid, too. So, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see if, if they can get the commitment. But if not, it's obviously it sucks, but it's it's not really the end of the world. You're always, you're always picking these players, I think, with a bit of risk anyways. Um, you're basically going off verbal commitments if they do say they're going to come prior to the draft. So... 
it's um it's all calculated risks and hopefully this one pays off yeah i think uh you know with with stalker he's only he he's no two so he still has a couple of years of eligibility left uh in the whl uh so if he doesn't come over this year it's not the end of the world because you still got a couple of years that, that you can get out of him and uh, and as you mentioned the import draft is all about taking risks and boy did the saskatoon blades take a huge risk at uh, at 33 just three picks after the giant they took brad lambert who who is a a canadian kid but has been living and playing in finland basically his his whole life since he's i think his last year here was uh, was in peewee uh so so that's a, a really interesting pick and boy if they can learn him over that'll be huge for that organization i think and i i wonder if the giants uh is that something Giants would have thought about taking him at at thirty? Um, oh, well, well, I just want to say one thing we forgot to mention. Lysol, he's a 2003-born player, so if he does come over, he'll be a 17-year-old, and he still has two years before his draft year, so that's big too. But yeah, going back to Lambert, it's obviously it's the riskiest pick of the draft. Um, he's a he's a lock for a top five in the 2021 draft, if not top three. Um, obviously. It's tough because the I don't obviously the Giants don't have that connection that Saskatoon has. He was Lambert was born in Saskatoon. He was he kind of grew up there. His dad's from there, I believe. Um, so if any team was, was going to take a chance, it makes sense that Saskatoon did. Uh, it kind of it kind of softens the transition for the Blades organization from losing Doc and kind of wondering where they where the team's going to go from there because obviously Doc is he was a franchise player for them. He was. Drafted one pick before Bowen Byram in the, I guess both the the Bantam draft and the NHL draft, uh, um, which I just kind of clued in on. That's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so it's if any team is going to take him, it's going to be Saskatoon. And if they don't, then and if he doesn't happen to commit, they still have um, is Tristan Robin. Is he he's an import, right? Uh, I I kind of put you on the spot there, but I believe. No, no, he's he's a local kid, but uh, okay. but they do still have um, both of their imports uh, coming back this year, so it's not not the end of the world that yeah. uh, if he doesn't come over, uh, the the blades will still be uh, set up for success this year. But uh, so, so it's a, it's definitely a calculated risk. He's got the connection uh, to Saskatoon, uh, so I'm I'm really intrigued um, to see if he comes over. But if he doesn't, you know, they still got to. Martin uh, Fasco-Ludis is, is going to come back uh, for his o- overage season in all likelihood. And uh, and then who else? Uh, who's, oh, and the other guy they brought is uh, Radek Kosarek, uh, the defenseman uh, from the Czech Republic. He's no one. So he'll, he'll be back uh, to the Blades next year as well. So uh, even if they don't get Lambert, the Blades are, are set up with, with both imports. And uh, and that's why they, they took that list. Boy, I would have loved to see him in a Giants uniform. Yeah, no kidding. It, that's what I get for trying to talk about a team outside the Giants. <laughs> Thinking <laughs> Robins was an import. Um, but yeah, that would have been that would have been it would have been a game changer for literally any team to pick him. But if he happens to come out to the West, and it's not, I don't I don't think we'd be able to. We might have been able to see him this upcoming season because I think Saskatoon was here two years ago. So I think we would have been able to actually watch the Blades this year. Um, so. If he does happen to come, that's one time we get to watch him live, and that's huge because 
not very often you get to see a talent like that come come through the WHL or come through the WHL in the path that he took. You just, you don't see a lot of very high end European import players coming over if if they're high end enough, they they're confident enough in their ability, they just stay in Europe and they stay local and and it works out for them. But to get a, a top three or get a top five, possibly top three pick coming to the WHL from Europe would be huge. Yeah, it's it would be uh, definitely definitely a win. Uh, I know that the, the Giants uh, took a risk a couple of years ago drafting uh, Philip Zadina, uh, and that didn't didn't exactly work out for them. He he went, ended up going to Halifax, and that that's probably one of the things that scared them away from taking somebody like Lambert uh, mm-hmm. because uh, you know with with the import draft and with the way the Giants are set up, you, uh, losing both of their imports this year, they need. Uh, players, they they need uh, low-risk, high-reward mm-hmm. uh, kind of players. And that, that looks like what Lysol and Stacker both are. Yeah, and with the Zadina, the Zadina situation, that was right in the middle of those dark years for the Giants. So it, well, it wasn't completely surprising he said no to coming to Vancouver because at the time they were one of the worst teams in the league. Um, it would have been nice to see if maybe if he got drafted to the Giants in the stage that they're at now. If you maybe would have came over, it would have been a bit more enticing, uh, especially being a pretty major city in Canada. It's not like it's a small a small market like Swift Current or something like that. So it would have been interesting, but obviously everything worked out for him going to Halifax and getting picked seventh overall by Detroit. So the decision was great for him, but it would just I often I often think what it would have been like if the Giants were in a position that they are now when they drafted him. But at the same time, if at the same time, I'm kind of contradicting myself because if they were in the position they are now, they wouldn't have, he wouldn't even even been available for them to pick. So I guess that whole point was kind of moot. But it's just, it just would have been cool to think about, I guess. Yeah, it, it's always fun to look back and and think about what if what if he had decided to to come to Vancouver? Maybe those years wouldn't have been as dark uh, because he's certainly you know a franchise changing player. I think, and and I'm I'm really excited to see what he. He does in Detroit, even though I am a bit annoyed that he, he scored this twice because uh, mm-hmm. he, he uh, didn't want to play for the Giants. And he, he said in interviews that, that he wasn't uh, wasn't exactly playing uh, fond of playing with the Canucks either. Yeah, I don't know what he has against Vancouver. I'm like, there's a lot of worse places you can play in. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would say Vancouver is a lot nicer than Detroit. and But what do I know? But yeah, just to think... Zadina, Benson, Ronning, what could have been there for those years that, that probably would have pulled them out of the dark hole that they were in. Um, but they probably also wouldn't have got a player like Justin Sortif. So it's a lot of the give and take. You have to you have to endure some pain, some high reward. Like being able to watch Justin Sortif for the last couple of years has been has been very very rewarding for me to see. He's a local kid. He's from Surrey, which is about 15, 20 minutes from, from the LEC. So it's cool to see a homegrown kid play for the hometown team and and inevitably drafted in the first couple of rounds and I guess what will be hope rounds to say. Yeah, um, but, it, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's it's fun uh, watching, you know, a kid, a kid like uh, sort of come up through the games. You know, I, I've, I've seen this kid uh, back to his days uh, playing with uh, Valley West in the in the BC Major Major League, so to see him have the the success that he is and still stay with a local club, it's not not something you get to see uh, incredibly often, and so it's really cool to see. And 
I, I'm curious to see, you know, how does the fact that there's no, um, oh, what's the thing called? I'm, I'm blanking on, on, on what, yeah, the combine, yeah. uh, is, if, if that's not happening this year, it's, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, if that affects, uh, where, where he goes at all in the draft because teams won't have the opportunity to, you know, see how he performs in, in fitness testing or, or really interview him face to face. So that'll be it'll be really interesting to see if that affects his, his draft stock at all this year. Well, that too, and I think just the season being cut short is going to affect his draft stock because he was absolutely on a tear when the season ended, and him being able to play those final eight regular season games or seven, I think it was, plus playoffs. I think that kind of robs his draft stock a little bit. Um, obviously, I'm sure when the time comes and he hears his name called, he's not going to care at that point. But I think, I think given if he had had those few extra weeks of hockey, he maybe he could have snuck into the to the 30s, maybe maybe the 40s, because I think right now he's ranked around 50th overall, um, which is still no slouch of a pick at all. But um, that's another guy that also had a bit of a slow start to the year, um, kind of as the whole team did at one point coming into the season. I think he was a projected first round pick. Um, so he kind of dipped into a into a second round pick, but but boy, those last couple of months of the season when those the Giants were winning those games, he was a huge he was a huge contributor to that, and he was playing like a first round talent for sure. Yeah, I think that uh, that whoever does end up picking him in October when we we finally do have the this this year's draft will be will be very happy with uh, the the kind of play that they're getting because he's a I think he's one of the underrated players in in this year's draft. He was at some point in time he was ranked, you know, in the in the 15s to the 20 uh, area, and then he's he's kind of dropped off a, a bit in the rankings, and I, and I can't figure out why because I've seen I've seen nothing but but good things uh, from him when I've gotten the opportunity to see him play. Yeah, the strongest the strongest asset of his game is definitely his two-way game. He's a 200-foot player. Um, he's just as good in his own zone as he is in the offensive zone, which is huge for teams. Um, he's not afraid to get into the mix either. He's he's kind of an intense player, um, but he's also got that skill of a superstar. So it's, it's going to be very cool to see another player come to the Giants organization that's kind of going to grow into an NHL career, hopefully, like we've seen with Byram and Benson. And um, so it's... If anything, it just helps bring the Giants organization back to prominence, just having these these high-end players coming through the drafts. And um, obviously, a lot of that comes with luck. Uh, a lot of that comes with some pain. Like, these these guys coming through the Giants aren't – there weren't low Bantam picks. They were top three picks. Um, Soroff was a third pick. Byron was a third pick. Benson was the first overall pick. Um, so, yeah, it just shows the cycle of junior hockey. It's, yeah, that, that's kind of the way the game works. Uh is you know you know you you gotta be bad for a couple of years and then you get to enjoy uh you know seeing guys like Sordiff and Byram and Benson uh come through the banks and the Giants are, are certainly enjoying enjoying that and I think uh, you know they they probably still got a couple of years uh left where where they can can still enjoy uh you know everything that uh, that they've uh, they've uh, uh, set up through the draft and I think. I think Soydif is is still around uh, for definitely at least a year, maybe maybe even two. I I don't think. I would say uh, at least two. I think at the very yeah. least two years. I think. Yeah, I don't think uh, that uh, whoever drafts him 
will be any rush, in any rush to to bring him into the NHL. So so the Giants will certainly get uh, two years out of him. Uh, and so it, it's uh, it's good times to be a Giants fan, I think. Exactly, and I think we've kind of touched on everything that we wanted to this episode. I just want to kind of talk about. Um, yeah, just how excited I am for this venture. We're going to be having lots of guests on. We're going to be, I think, basically all the guests are going to be Giants-related. And if they're not, it's probably going to be a big name if they're not Giants-related. Um, like alumni, former coaches, current coaches, um, all that good stuff. Um, the Giants have a quite the alumni list, like Brendan Gallagher, Vander Kane, uh, Cody Franson, all these guys. So if we were able to just land a few of them that'd be huge for the podcast it'd be huge for us just to be able to to kind of improve our interviewing skills with bigger name guys like um but i think i think we got we got a good thing going here obviously it's going to pick up quite a bit more when the season eventually does start whenever that is so but there's no shortage of things to talk about there's always there's always something right yeah i mean uh i i've i've heard it said that uh, you know people who think talking about sports it, uh, in the off season is hard or just lazy, and I, I don't think e- either of us is lazy. And I think we'll we'll definitely have some fun here. You know, there's no shortage uh, of people that we can we can get on the pod. You know, the the opportunities here are endless, and it's going to be an, a very exciting uh, ride for us. You know, and and if there's if you're listening to this pod, you know, and you know, I'd really like to hear these guys interview, you know, uh, somebody that, that we haven't mentioned yet or that we, we might not think of, you know, find us on Twitter, uh, tweet us at, uh, at Giants underscore thoughts and, and tell us who you'd want to hear on the pod because, you know, we, we're definitely open to suggestions here and not, not afraid to, you know, uh, put our lives on the line to, to mm-hmm. get to, get to the, the guests that, uh, that you want to hear. Uh, and, uh, of course, don't forget to, subscribe uh, to, to the pod wherever you get your uh, favorite podcast we're on we're on google podcast we're on the apple podcast we're on spotify we're, we're everywhere you can get uh, your favorite podcast and it's in, it's incredibly important uh, i think that you, you leave a review for us even if it's not a five-star review if it's a two-star review sure that, that that's fine it, it helps us get better mm-hmm. and not only that it it shoots us up in the in the algorithm so that more people uh, can find the pod and, and be listening to us. So a- any support, a- any feedback is, is certainly appreciated. Yeah. We're not, lo- we're not looking for anything that's completely sugar-coated. We want to know if we're not doing things very well. We want to know if we are doing things well, so we can just improve each and e- each and every episode. Right. So to see those reviews, to see that feedback, <clears throat> we a hundred percent encourage it. We want to, s- it kind of gives us an idea of, of um yeah what our listeners want to hear what they don't want to hear and we take we take those we take those opinions very very much to heart because obviously in an up in an upstart podcast every listener is huge it's it's not like we're getting thousands of listeners so um just any joe schmo's opinion is huge to us it's it means a lot so like you said just subscribe like review anything that anything that you want to do and just give this podcast a listen because it's going to be got exciting things coming down the pipe and we're just here to give everybody their, their junior hockey fix, their Vancouver Giants fix during this very extended offseason. Yeah, I mean, as, as much as this time can be, you know, depressing and, and it's 
it's easy to get down. Uh, I think, you know, we touched on COVID a bit today, but that's not something we're going to be talking about a, a whole lot on this pod. This is just going to be a fun pod to, to get get away from it all. And and we, we hope to provide the, the distraction that you might not get if there's uh, no WHL uh, in 2021. This pod won't go away just because there's no no hockey to talk about. We'll, we'll be here uh, as often as possible uh, to provide to provide some some form of entertainment anyway. Yeah, this will probably be the only episode that doesn't have a guest. Um, obviously, with if there's unless there's extreme circumstances where we maybe want an emergency pod or something like that. But the plan is to have a guest on every episode, so um, you won't be hearing us rambling on too much. You'll be you'll listen to some good stories from from the hockey world and and whatnot but yeah yeah we're coming up on 45 minutes here i think that's a good length seeing as we didn't have a guest today um so yeah i think it's time to wrap it up and yeah thanks everybody for listening and don't forget to subscribe like and review and all that good stuff